This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Um, Kyle and I have a topic for you that we think you guys should be aware of, so you want to introduce it, Kyle? Yeah, maybe you guys have heard of it before if you've been lurking on YouTube, studying IBC. Um, It's called laddering policies, and sometimes it is portrayed as just, you know, the greatest thing you can do. And it's absolutely the opposite, I think. Yeah, I, my opinion is definitely that this is this is not in your best interest. Um, but, you know, wh- what it is, I guess, is somebody says, and this can take many different shapes, so we'll try to go over several different forms here. But somebody says, you know, you know, let's get started with the policy this year. And whether it's next year or two, three years down the road, we're going to borrow from this policy to start another life insurance policy. Yes. And it can be spun to where it sounds like such a great thing, but we'll go in de- we'll go in depth and tell you why it's not and what you should be aware of and, you know, maybe some of the tactics that people use to try to make it sound awesome. Yeah. Well, Kyle, you don't have to pay anything for that second policy. Yeah, supposedly it's not out of pocket because you're using your cash value. But you took money out of your pocket to start that policy. So to me, that's directly out of your pocket. And and what's something that we are big on recognizing with infinite banking? Opportunity cost. Yes. Okay. If you're borrowing from that life insurance policy to pay premiums for another life insurance policy, by the way, life insurance companies aren't too thrilled about this. What's going to happen? You're going to start to accrue interest on that policy. That premium is going to be in another life insurance policy. It's not going to be, um, or excuse me, that premium isn't going to be in another life insurance policy, but it's going to be collateralizing or, or collateralized because you took a loan from it to pay premium to another policy. Yeah. And so in effect, you don't have access to the capital that you paid into that first policy. It's now in a second policy, but you're paying interest to borrow that money to put it in the other policy. Yeah, and... If you're starting a policy, you're already not having access to all the capital you put in in the beginning. And so then you're borrowing that partial access to the money that you've put in and put in another policy to get even less access. Yeah. I mean, when you start walking through this, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And to be honest, when I was uh, learning about infinite banking and when I had started talking to agents, I believe that I talked to five different agents before I started a policy, I was presented with this and... To me, I guess it was the first time that I had ever been exposed to laddering. And to me, I just, I could not understand like what the advantage was to me to start a second policy by borrowing from the first policy. Mm-hmm. I just, I, in my mind, like the only possible way that could have made sense is if I came into this huge windfall or something and, and could pay off that policy loan from the first one. But yep. to me, I was just like, what is going on here? And there was this elaborate, detailed um, graph of like this policy, like this much cash value be coming for it for this one. And I mean, they went down the line like four different policies that I would have had after, I believe, uh, 10 years. And I'm like, oh my 
goodness, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, and you're just making it overcomplicated. Overcomplicating? At that point. Wow. Yeah, that's a good way to. Put I don't know how they could sell policies doing that. Honestly, I think. I mean, that'd be a huge turnoff to me, and plus, just confusing the heck out of people. Very confusing, and you know, okay, here's another thing that'll that'll be done, Kyle. Um, is people will tell you, you know, go with this really aggressive split, boost the cash value up front, and then instead of continuing to pay premium on that first policy, the the base and the PUA, well, let's just drop the PUA rider off of it, only pay the base, and let's take that PUA rider, like let's take the premium that we had allocated to that, let's start another life insurance policy with that money. Mm-hmm. What's the problem there? Well, you're just getting back into the most expensive part of the policy when you're doing that in the beginning. Why not just fund one that's already in motion and efficient? It's just gonna, it just keeps getting better and better. So why not just keep funding that one? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so crazy. And okay, let's let's walk through most expensive part of the policy. Let's explain that. Okay, if you're a life insurance company and you're putting life insurance business in force, life insurance policies, when are you susceptible to the most risk with putting a policy in force? In the early years. It's in the early years. Why is that? Because you haven't paid very much premium in, and the life insurance company has a huge death benefit in force on you. Okay? So that risk to the insurance company, they're going to charge you for that, and that is built in, that's front-loaded into the life insurance policy contracts. That's why you aren't cash-on-cash in year one year two, year three, okay? It takes time before the cumulative amount of premium you've paid in equals the amount of cash value you have in the policy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if we're intentionally designing a policy, um, let's just use some easy numbers here. Look, we're intentionally designing a policy where we're paying $50,000 of premium and let's say 10000 is allocated towards the base 40,000 is allocated toward the PUA rider, okay? And let's say for three years, we're going to max fund this thing. We're going to pay $50,000 premium. Year four, we're going to get rid of the the PUA premium. We're only going to pay the base, the 10,000. And we're going to take that 40,000 and start another life insurance policy. Well, would you believe that in about the third, fourth, or fifth year is when the amount of premium that you pay into a policy, it... um the policy starts to grow by more than what you've paid into it. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, we're going to start reducing the amount of premium that we pay into the policy to start another one to go right back to the most expensive uh, time period of a life insurance policy. You're constantly getting stuck in the mud. Oh, it is just... if If you start looking at this, if you're scratching your head and just like, this doesn't make sense, there's a good, there's a good reason for it. Um... And I guess we should probably say, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be confused as something to where it's a thought in your in your guys's mind now. Well, what are they saying? Like, don't start another policy. No, that's that's not what we're talking about. There's a time for you to start another policy, but if you're going in with this this idea of how you're going to fund these policies, you need to adjust how you're thinking about infinite banking because you're not thinking long term your your agent might be a little bit commission greedy um i mean something is not not right and one thing we must say is a lot of people that promote this um this laddering 
and a lot of times they don't call it ladder, and, but they're not people who are registered or practitioners with the Nelson Nash Institute. Authorized infinite banking practitioners. Not saying that's the end all be all, but like it just goes to show you that, you know, there's value. Absolutely. In the Institute. Give you a little bit of, you know, confidence and hey, and, and thinking, you know, I'm actually getting somebody who knows what they're doing and has my best interest in mind for me. Yep. I agree. And I guess another thing that we should say that we've come across is the idea of paying premium for seven years and then reducing paying up and starting another policy. It's very similar to what we've just talked about, but just how does that make any sense? Seven years, I mean, your policy is breaking even, almost breaking even, getting, you know, getting close. Why, why would you go in and start another one? I, I just don't see it. Well, um, oftentimes it'll be pitched. You can maximize cash value, and they're talking about the internal rate of return of a policy by reduced paying it up because you eliminate all drag and stuff like that, um, all the loads and everything that go along with paying premiums, all that's eliminated, so naturally your IRR goes up. But if you start looking at this long-term, okay, and, and I, I don't have this made yet, but I'm hoping I get a blog put together to go along with this podcast. If you start to look at this and you're like, oh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a good idea, you know, that's a higher IRR and rate of return is the end-all be-all, right, Kyle? Yep, supposedly. <laughs> um, but if you look at it and if you just take two policies, let's say, uh, we'll, we'll say $10,000 a year for two policies. Um, the first one is funded for seven years. Then you start another one in the eighth year after you've reduced, paid up the first one, blah, blah, blah. You have 10000 going to each 20000 okay? Mm-hmm. What if you just start the first policy at 20000 Maybe you don't even maximize it, you know? I'm And when I say maximize, um, fill it up to the point where you're at the MEC limit. What if maybe you don't even do that in the beginning, but you just build in that room because you're like, yeah, I think, you know, pretty soon I will have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. You'll see that by the time that you get to that eighth year and you pay that extra premium payment into the policy... It is highly likely that the strategy of doing, you know, laddering policies, doing two, is going to be behind in cash value already. Sure. It just because you're going back into the most expensive time period with a life insurance policy. Yeah, I just, I really can't see any advantage to doing something like this. It just makes much more sense to start as high as you can, as high as you're comfortable with at the beginning. And then... Once you're constantly filling that policy up year after year and you ha- you have extra cash. Maybe to- your income has risen now. Yeah. Then that makes sense to start another policy. That's the only time it makes sense to start another policy. If you cannot, or if you're not filling up your policy every year, it does not make sense to start another one. Absolutely not. None at all. No. And I'm not going to mention companies, but I mean, I've looked at some insurance that's been in force with people that we work with. And two companies that I can think of very commonly um, sold in in our area anyways. Um, It's commonly pushed, you know, do a convertible term policy, maybe a very small whole life policy. And, you know, the next time the agent meets with them, start another convertible term policy. Maybe we convert that first whole life policy. And it's nothing to see three, four, five, six, seven policies. And I, I mean, I've seen seven personally already, where we started these itty-bitty policies, and this this isn't the same exact thing as laddering. It's it's just like a sales tactic, 
tactic of, you know, I just got to get in the door and get a small policy started. And each time I'll just make a small sale each time I go to this person. Yep. But it, if you guys aren't at that point in time, what's probably best for you in that situation is just get a convertible, either a term insurance policy or convertible term. I would suggest convertible term personally. And when you're ready, when you have the understanding, when you realize that I should be paying as much premium as I can possibly wrap my mind around into a, a dividend paying whole life insurance policy, that's the time when you start doing it. You convert that policy and start doing it. It doesn't, it isn't in your guys' best interest that they sell you these small policies because then you're constantly in the most expensive phases of these policies. Yep. Um, it's not the same thing as laddering. It definitely isn't. It, but it's a sales tactic that goes along. Absolutely. With these companies. And it's it's also important, you know, we're talking pay as much as you can at the beginning. It's also very important that you, you have to be comfortable. And maybe, you know, maybe you start out lower than what, you know, low to just make you feel comfortable. But then you realize, man, I can be paying substantially more. It's If you have the money, it makes sense to start again. It's best just to get started, at least, than to not do anything at all. Yes, it definitely is. And and to go along with that, like, yeah, maybe, maybe you don't start with the absolute tippity-top amount that you can start with, but it's not something where you're starting with 10% of what you could yeah. do. You know, when we're saying that, we're just saying, hey, maybe if you want to do a $10,000 policy a year, maybe we're going to do seven or eight. You know, some people completely understand infinite banking and it just makes all the sense in the world to do 10, maybe even build a policy that can handle 12 or something like that. That they can grow into, yeah. But I mean, that just, it depends on the individual situation. Yeah. When we're talking about paying less premium, we're not talking about a drastically um, lower amount. No, we're not talking about you have the ability to easily, the ability to pay in 10, but you're only paying in three or four. Right. It just, it's not going to help you. You're not going to see the value in it either. Well, yeah. I mean, to really move the needle, what did Nelson, what did Nelson realize? There has to be scale. I have to pay significant amount of premiums if I want to finance things in my life. Okay. That's going to be different for everybody. Kyle, for you and I, when we have needs to, to farm, um, or excuse me, for operating capital for a farm, we need to pay significant amounts of premium to see the value in this. Because there are massive expenses that go into running a farm. Yes. There's tremendous input costs. Yes. Okay. Now that's different for somebody that has uh, an eight to five job and lives a mile from work. And the biggest thing they're ever going to buy in their life is a house. And they're probably going to buy several cars throughout their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they shouldn't pay as much premium as they possibly can, but they wouldn't have to pay as much to realize like, oh yeah, if I do this. I can start financing vehicles on my own here in three years or something like that. It's all relative. Somebody, maybe they can only afford, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars at the beginning uh, in a policy. They're going to see the benefit from that. Yeah, because that's what their personal situation is. And an agent didn't manipulate the situation to look like, you know, let's let's just start this plan to where we're going to start another policy a year from now or two years from now and and start laddering policies. Yeah, because that. That is not in your guys' best interest to have somebody doing that for you. No. It it goes along with this like mentality of, okay, 
if we're going to pay in, let's say $100,000 into a policy, and next year we're going to borrow whatever number it is, let's just say $50,000 out of that first policy to start a second policy. So now we have $150,000 of premium. And we went in with this plan that we were going to do this from the beginning. Are you not violating some of Nelson's principles? Think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Like, what have you limited yourself by doing uh, by doing this strategy of laddering? You don't have the ability to pay $150,000 in yep. that first year. And you've created um, a policy loan, which has opportunity costs that goes along with it. There's interest associated with that. The interest goes to the insurance company. I mean, the, you just start walking down this road and there's just so many problems associated with this. And I also feel bad for the people that do this because they are probably more likely to be the so-called ones that fall off the ladder or don't follow through on this stuff because they probably didn't completely understand it when they got into this because otherwise, why would you do laddering policies? Yeah. And then later on down the road, like, still doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? Maybe they continue to pay premiums on policies, but maybe they don't service a loan. That policy lapses. They have a massive taxable event potentially yeah. coming at them. I mean, you do not want that to happen. No. Because um, that, I mean, here's an example. Um, and I'm just making these numbers up, but it'll illustrate the, the, the problem very well. Let's say you've paid $300,000 of premium into a policy and over 30 years that 300,000 has grown to let's just use a million dollars if that policy lapses because of an outstanding loan before you die you're going to be on the hook for a million dollar um million dollars of income well 700,000 of income since you paid in 300,000 that is going to be a massive tax bill yep and Absolutely. That's, that's all going to happen in one year. <laughs> not going to be fun. No. Um, so those are things that you do not want to happen. And just another reason why you should, you should really think over this, this whole thought of laddering policies because it's, it's not in your best interest. Yeah, and if you are working with somebody who is telling you that this is a good idea or trying to get you to go along with this, I would definitely suggest looking elsewhere for somebody to help you. Or even, you know, I agree with what Kyle said, but just ask them why. Yeah. Why is this a good idea? And maybe they won't even be able to answer that. I don't know. I, yeah. When that person presented it to me, I just I was so confused that I I didn't even ask, which I, going looking back, I wish I would have. But. Yeah. So if, if you get an answer from them, email it to us because we'd like to know what they're thinking. Cause <laughs> It'd be we very least... interesting to see that. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Um. I don't know. That's that's a lot of of what I had on my mind. I mean, it's it's just a lack of of following Nelson's principles that he laid out. It's not in your best interest, and I just I personally cannot see it a situation. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see a situation where this is in your best interest. I cannot either. So okay. Well, that's all I got. So I'm ready to get out of here, Kyle. All right. And if you guys are enjoying the show. Please give us a rating and review. It helps us get seen to others out there and helps us spread the word. So if you guys do that, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to help as many people as we can. So hope you guys have a great week. 
This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.